internet. The people that are left, they're not the kind of people worth saving. My name is Matthew Kroll. And you have everything you need. My name is Shahir Dow. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film A Quiet Place Part 2. Shahir, you sound different, my friend. It's because I had to be quiet for so long, and now you're in a place. Yes, I'm in. I'm in a very quiet place. No, it's because I'm a lady, and my name is Jamie, and um, I don't know where Shahir is, so I'm here. (laughs) Ladies, what did you do with Shahir? Everybody, everybody, uh, audience, dear, dearest listeners, uh, Shahir could not make it this week. He once again was taken aback by his calling to be lazy. No, he had a lot of work to do and he could not make it this week. So thankfully, my wonderful better half, Jamie Walsh, is here to uh, take the tall New Zealander's place and shoes. And also, Jamie, I want to point out, I mean, you and I know this, but we're having a bit of a relaxed fit episode. This is, yeah, we're having a chill hang. So I'm even going to take my shoes off. I'm just going to sort of kick them off. Let's see if I can... Yeah. Audience can confirm. Matt just took his shoes off. Look, we're both wearing little anklet socks. Listen, we are fashionable as fuck. We made Sazeracs. We did. Uh, because we don't have problems. It's a Tuesday. Um, so, but we are we are actually, I hooked up the old equipment from back in the day, back in the before times when we used to record podcasts in person. And we're on these travel mics. We're sitting, I'm not even facing a computer, everybody. We are just sitting here in my office talking into these microphones facing one another. I'm going to be honest. It's a little, I'm a little, I don't know what to do with myself. There's no table. No table. We're really, it truly is just us sitting in chairs, holding microphones, hanging out. As it's nature really intended. Pleasant. It's yes. really pleasant. Uh, also, just to point out, uh, dearest listeners, we did upgrade ever so slightly from the experience that Jamie wanted to have. She wanted to sit on the floor, which I did. I, 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 I next, um, I want to be at least comfortable if we're going to be enjoying beverages and hanging out. Um, and I think that means the floor. Okay. okay. Well, I mean, listen, you are welcome. The the, the microphones are mobile. You are welcome to sit on the floor should you see it fit. We'll we'll see where the night goes. Okay. Um, Matt, what movie are we talking about? I I already said it. I said it in the intro. I wasn't listening. Oh, boy. You were too busy pretending to be Shahir. Quick. Best Shahir accent. Go. I'm Shahir Dowd. I can't. New Zealand's hard. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes I like to, uh, I, 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 I consider, I try to think of the difference between Australian and New Zealand in the word watermelon. Sure. I think, uh, Australian might say watermelon and a New Zealander might say watermelon, <laughs> watermelon. <laughs> New Zealanders and Australians that listen to the show. I think I just offended a lot of you. You did. Email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, to watermelon? No, no. To rate Jamie's accent on a scale of one to adorable. You can say whatever you want. I don't care. Wow. Okay. I mean, no, I care about your opinions, but like, I've, I will, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, look, we're not, we're not winning any accent awards. I've here. got a thick New England skin. We do. Uh, we, well, and accent. To be perfectly honest, you and I are both from New England. Um, if a quiet place did occur in real life. I feel like, I mean, it's definitely an East Coast movie, first and foremost, well, it feels like. Yes, yeah, so it was filmed in upstate New York. Yeah. Um, and it takes place in upstate New York. There you go. Yeah, so, uh, but feel... upstate New York is not New England. No, it's, uh, it's it's like, the it's a distant cousin of New England. It's, it's 
you know, I guess the 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 style of living I would say is similar. However, the the um the monikers and the uh, accoutrement, or how about how I would even say the the as the French would say a certain I don't know what are slightly different in New England based on mood and atmosphere and 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 the sea. For sure, I would say you could even say you could really divide up New England, uh into into two parts i would say like you could take rhode island and connecticut and kind of like they can go somewhere else uh and the true new england vibe i would say is vermont new hampshire massachusetts maine uh i might even i might even throw massachusetts out of there but that's just me i would say i wow whoa throwing shade at my college state you know hey Massachusetts listeners, write in. Judge Matt for his re- judge reduction. Me. Judge both of us. <laughs> this whole episode, this is what I want, listeners. I want you to judge this loose fit episode. I want Shahir to be rolling in his proverbial work grave right now. We're going to reel it together, guys. No, we're not. I, oh, okay. no. no. I mean, listen, Jamie, I, I, I 100% support your, your decision to try to wrangle it in. I wrote a lot of notes. Great. I'm going to derail this entire thing consistently. Okay. I want to put that out here. Right now. All right, I'm ready for it. Um, uh, anyway, to to quicken to quickly wrap that point up. Yeah, I feel like in a quiet place and a quiet place too. If you like, just Google. If you picked up the the camera and just like Google Maps it uh, north a little bit to New England, there'd be a lot more survivors because we're already so good <laughs> at buttoning up and being quiet, sure, and getting the work in. Yeah, uh, I, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to judge uh, New York's work ethic. Uh, uh, we can also talk about boats. We can also talk about the the nature we'll and, get to and boats. utility of boats. Boy, oh boy, will we get to boats. <laughs> um, but before we get even into the film itself, I would be remiss, Miss Walsh, if I did not bring up that this was the first film <gasps> that we saw in a theater since the pandemic. It's true. And not that the pandemic is over. Um, Jamie and I are both vaccinated, uh, and we have been for quite some time. We, we made some decisions sort of how we wanted to handle ourselves around the, the, the movie theaters. And, uh, to be perfectly honest, friend of the show, Elise Brando, uh, was super passionate about sort of, uh, watching A Quiet Place 1 together as a, basically Jamie, Elise, and I as listeners of the show know are a bit of a quarantine, a corn pod or whatever. We were, we were a a tight and air- uh yeah, we were a tight bubble. A quarantine. Uh, yeah, a quarantine, if you will. And uh and so we watched a lot of movies together uh at our respective homes. And uh so we watched A Quiet Place again, and then we decided that as a family, uh we were gonna go back and we went to the Astoria Theater um to go see A Quiet Place Part Two. I will say, uh A Quiet Place uh Un, the first. Sure. Uh <laughs> You know, we went to see that in the theater, and I remember we bought popcorn. Uh, I'm not particularly a, like a heavy snack in the theater person, but we got popcorn. And uh, other people, you know, got snacks. The theater was pretty full. I've never, I think this might have been, I think that might have been the best movie going experience of my life. Yeah, it's up there. It pulled the entire audience together and quietly said to everybody, Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You're going to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. And everybody did. Like, if a rapper moved, you could tell that the person was like, oh, God, no, I don't want to make any noise. It was great. It was incredible. And I will say, first time in the theater in a year and a half, sat down, pretty empty. I got to say, it was exciting. It was exciting. I agree. But I got 
really mad halfway through mm-hmm. at the guy who just decided to scroll through Facebook three rows ahead of us. Because I have a theory, my dear, and that is that while it might be safe to go back to the movie theater for vaccinated folks, um, it, in fact, you, you can go back to the theater, uh, you know, either if you're vaccinated or if you're a liar. Um, and you can go see a movie sometimes without masks, depending on whatever. I wore my mask the entire time, um, outside of slipping my, uh, cherry slushy, which was, I got the largest one cause I hadn't had one in a year and a half and my body could not take it. Yeah. I was worried about you. Um, I had the hiccups weirdly, very, very severely after the fact, which like gave me like the, jo- the belly jostles with like, anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is it felt so amazing to be back until we were watching the movie. Like, like the movie itself, and we'll get into that, of course, obviously was designed to be portrayed in this way and, and hopefully wanted to at least hearken back to some of the be an echo, at least of the original experience of we'll the talk first. We'll about that in a little bit. Yeah, of the first Quiet Place, because that's the whole point. Right. But I was immediately taken out as well. People on their phones. Uh, a couple people made some noises. It wasn't like it wasn't crazy, crazy because it wasn't that full. We went uh, uh, almost mid- beginning of the evening on a Sunday. Yeah, there were like nine people in the theater. But like even with nine people in the theater. <laughs> I was already the, it was, angry. It, we, we already got angry. And look, maybe that's the New Englander. Maybe that's that's it could be a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, I will say this. The magic quickly faded. And that Jamie, I got to say. That really bothered me. It was a, it was a, in some perspectives, it was a humorous moment because we had this miraculous, wonderful experience that we were so appreciative of going back to a movie theater and rejoining human civilization. Mm -hmm. And we were immediately mad at human civilization. Like, I think it was, it was like written in Futurama somewhere. It, it, it was so perfectly timed to what we're about to walk back into, which is society maybe changing less than we actually hoped that it would. Well, I, so here's the thing. Society didn't, it definitely during, during the pandemic, in my opinion, other than many, like, I think depending on where you are, I feel like people became, when it came to the virus itself, in public spaces, overall, from the places I exhibited, the people that believed in the virus, you know, the smart ones, um, became very uh, sincere and sort of caring and, and wanted to make sure their fellow human beings were and felt safe around them. Overall, that does not include being rude. <laughs> the, the, the fact of the matter is we've all been living in our homes, experiencing media by ourselves or in our own personal quarantines and and. I mean, I'm sure my behavior is worse because I'm not paying attention. I know I'm more socially awkward now in situations, like when I'm talking to people in person. Uh, It's just a lack of training and et cetera. So I think it's going to basically take any bad habit you have and exacerbate it now. Like, I don't think people are thinking like, oh, man, I better be better at the theater because now I'm out of my living room. I think people got used to their living room and now more and more will be acting like the theater is their living room. I, from a personal perspective, disagree slightly. Uh, I feel like I'm a little better. Um, I'm very present when I'm around people now. And uh, usually I'm not paying attention. Anyone who's ever met you would be like, oh, yeah, that's true. You're an asshole. No, it's uh, not that you're an asshole. It's no, just that there, like, if there's I'm, an interesting I'm, bird that flies by, prepare to have your conversation or, be derailed. Or I'm just a bit awkward. And I find that the pandemic has caused me uh, to appreciate the focus of people around me. And the attention to detail that we've had to have in certain uh, occasions has 
sort of transferred with me. I don't know. I feel better because of it. I don't think most people are going to, though. I'm very glad that you do. Uh, and and to be clear, dear listeners, Jamie was never rude in the movie theater, and now she's not rude in the movie I theater. I want to be clear. The only reason I didn't throw a wrapper at that person was because I didn't have one in my hand. I I I'm <laughs> I'm more present. I'm not nicer. I'm, Fair. I am blunt, if anything. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I, uh, the movie theater was really nice to be in again and everyone should, who, who is comfortable and vaccinated should feel that like they are able to go back. We saw previews guys, it was weird. previews out. Maria Menounos looked into my soul. Uh, for our American listeners, there is a preview show with Maria Menounos telling us about like what's new with Nuvi. Uh, and I hadn't seen her in a year and a half. <laughs> And it was good to see her. It was good to see her up on that big screen. I didn't know this was an important person to you. Well, and, and, and look, she's just as important as the pre-show virtual roller coaster ride that's trying to get me to buy snacks. That's true. That's very it's important. tradition. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I want that. Yeah. I also here's another tradition I want. I want a um, simulcast of a random opera I've never heard of to be advertised to me. I would love to go to one of those. We can. That's fine. I would love. Uh, especially this was more uh, prevalent uh, back home in New Hampshire, but there'd always be like local realtors, like just showing their (laughs) listings and like, I don't know, silly stuff like that. I miss, Uh, you know, because I like, you know me, Jamie, I like getting to things early. And when you're like 25 minutes early to a movie, because you want to get a good seat, of course, before assigned seating. Yeah, you see all the commercials. You see everything all of the all of the student made coca-cola films matt's seen them and and i get angry at all but one um we've talked about those before uh hello my name is uh jack and i am emily please enjoy our film and i will always say what jamie what is the phrase i say i will not that that is true under my breath and time to that end (laughs) i will not um Uh, i would like to request a special episode of this podcast where you and shahir write competing coca-cola we've talked about that actually there are rules you have to follow the rules yes. of the coca-cola yep. contest yep but i i like some screenplays email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if you know the specific rules for those coca-cola films because i would love to try to do that exercise and see what we could come up with well so you have to you have to advertise coca-cola in a positive yeah. light but i'm sure there's a bunch of rules yeah i guess whatever uh it would be a great episode i think you should do it <laughs> anyway Matt, should we get started on talking about this movie? I guess so. Also, dearest listeners. We've been uh, talking for like 40 minutes. No, we haven't. I looked at the timer. We're fine. At least an hour. Here's the deal. Uh, We have some emails. We're going to get to them next week when Shahir is back. I I feel feel awkward reading things that are addressed to the both of us. It's like, I think it's illegal. I think there's some sort of podcast law where the federal government will come for me if I do that. So we will get to your emails next week when Shahir is back. Um, so yes, we should get to the film and I feel like I should probably turn around and look at what IMDb has to say, A Quiet Place Part 2. Did you know that IMDb is owned by Amazon? Is about, shh, don't ruin my day. Okay. <clears throat> Following the events at home, the Abbott family now face terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown, they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. That sucks. That's a lot of self-referential bullshit right there. I can't believe that's what IMDb wrote. I mean, it's owned by Amazon. Did you know that? Um, (laughs) Uh, 
yeah. Directed so, by John Krasinski, written by John Krasinski, Scott Beck, uh, and ooh, there's one more writer that I was not aware of, Jamie. Yeah, Matthew, um, I made Brian a note Woods. of this to ask you because John Krasinski is credited as the story writer, but those two other uh, writers, Scott Beck and Brian Woods, yep. uh, are credited with character writing. I didn't know that that was a thing that could happen with scripts. It is. Um, it's just people that either. I mean, and I, I, I'm. This can be all sort of different. Again, stuff with films. The the titles of things in more profession than I've ever experienced anywhere else. Everything is quite nebulous until you get down to the hyper nitty gritty. I love that. That's good storytelling. Like tools. A, a producer could do a million different things and still be a producer. Thank God, because films need to be creative process in any way, no matter what kind of movie they are. And I think it's cool that you can be amorphous and have different people writing yeah. different aspects of the script and you just figure out how to credit it. So that that's kind of probably what it is. I'm sure uh, John Krasinski wrote the ma the major plot points of the story and then um, either had it punched up with dialogue or other things from the other writers. I, I don't know the actual breakdown. Uh, but this was a film, Jamie, that was completed before the pandemic. I know. And then they were one of the few holdouts uh, of not releasing digitally um, and not streaming it into our homes. And I know for myself, for Shahir, for you through proxy, um, I, out of the two of us, I will just say, and you can please correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, I would say I am the more asinine person who is obsessed with the fidelity of a visual audio experience. That's true. Okay. So uh, I have a- I have can, a, can confirm. Thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> I So through me, you you know, I feel like we could get quite close to a, a, a cinematic experience in the living room based on projectors and sound and et cetera. Yeah. So like- I'll we, hang up a sheet and an old projector and that's what I think we should do. And Matt gets really upset about that idea. Well, first buy a, buy a projector and then second buy a sheet. I am about to not have a TV. So No. There's, listen. Uh, we don't have to talk about it. There's trouble in paradise, everybody. Honeymoon's over. Uh, Jamie and I have very different thoughts on screens. We can get into that if it's interesting to anyone. Um, but but back to the it's film. It's not. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, it was, it, they held out. Uh, do you feel after having seen A Quiet Place Part 2, um, do you feel like that was the correct decision? First of all, I thought that I had missed it. I figured it had just gone out a long time ago and that I had just not seen it because I was busy being in my home. And so <laughs> busy being I, scared of touching literally everything. an ad came out uh, advertising a quiet place too. I was, I was thrilled. Um, you know, this movie was really fun to watch. Uh, it was a fantastic monster movie. Um, I don't know if it needed to be in a theater. I think I could have had a lot of fun at home with all the lights off, too. Mm -hmm. The first movie, theater movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God, theater movie. This one, um, and and I think it, I don't want to, I don't want to barge right into my my kind of primary comments with you the movie. You 100% should. Now is the time. Uh, okay, great. Yeah, people don't want to just hear me do fun accents and talk about TVs anymore. Uh, there was air quotes around the word fun, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> uh yeah, uh, I feel like the reason that the, uh, okay, I am a graphic designer. Um, and so I think a lot about kind of like when you minimize like themes or make one theme really big. And I think at a quiet place, the visual rhythm that you would get out of that movie is that they took one big detail, a rule, if you will, I guess, in storytelling. Sure. And they really created a beautiful thing by 
emphasizing that one rule and that one rule was audio. And so it was an extraordinary viewing performance, uh, performance. Yeah. Experience. Uh, experience. Thank you. Uh, and I, I think it was necessary to have a really good theater going experience. Not necessary, but really helpful. No, I think it is. This I think one, it is necessary. It is an event. It is an, it is an experience. It is an event to be experienced. And very few times can you say other than outside of like, very well produced, shot, and mixed blockbusters. Totally. Is it necessary, or not even necessary, would the experience be bettered? Because there's so many factors in going to the movies. Like, yeah, there's obviously the video, visual and audio fidelity, but also the audience experience, which can go super positive or super negative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And all of that really benefited A Quiet Place yep. Part 1. It was the first film I'd seen in a long time that actually made people shut the fuck up, as you put it before. This isn't a podcast about A Quiet Place Part 1. A Quiet Place Part 2 was so fun, just jam-packed with, like, exciting stuff, tense moments, jump scares. Uh, Too many know, jump nice, scares, in nice, my opinion. But. Oh, I had, I, I had a good time with my jumps. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it lacked the beating heart of the last movie in that it had this simplistic rule that wound the story together and i don't think that it was a it it was it was a simple story but it also had really like nice complex themes this movie go. didn't need didn't have the intensity of the last one and it didn't it wasn't as wrapped up as a bow it was really fun to watch but i didn't i didn't grow from this movie it didn't exist i think separately you know sure. some movies you can watch and be like wow man this is its own experience. I almost want to watch this one otherwise, but I would never pick this over the first one. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, for instance, the reason for that is, I think, twofold. One, this movie goes the Halloween 2 approach. I've heard many of a reviewer, uh, both friend and uh, person I watch, um, you know, talk about how this follows that rule. Basically, this movie starts the second the last movie ends, right? So you're kind of already in it. But then two... The main reason why this, I don't think, resonates as an event, to be perfectly honest, is even though, well, I'll leave in preface, A Quiet Place, the first one, is a gimmick film. It is an incredibly well-done gimmick film. It's what all gimmick films just would die to be. It's so effective to the point where you don't really think about it. You're just in the experience, right? And then... But now we've experienced it, right? We've gone on the roller coaster. This is going on the same roller coaster a second time. Listen, I've been to Six Flags. I even held a season pass from now and then, right? But the first time you're on a coaster will always be different and probably more memorable than the second time you go on the same coaster. That's not to say that the respect taken for, for instance, um, uh, uh, hearing impaired characters and the way that audio is portrayed and the the the, the ways they use that uh, is not still present in this film, but it doesn't feel as, I guess, centrally tied. Like yeah. before, there were many elements that tied that together, tied the gimmick into the characters, tied the gimmick into the plot and what the movie was trying to actually say and why it worked like the 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 pat the la the first movie was about communication 
in a huge way, it was about a family that was kind of already set up to live in this existence because, you know, uh, one of their children was deaf. And so they had a nonverbal communication built into their family. Uh, yeah, ASL. But it was also about uh, just a family kind of banding together and being clear with each other and being there for each other and believing in each other. Uh, also, there was conflict within the family at that point. Um yeah. I believe I believe the uh, uh, the the daughter played by I'm going to butcher the name and I, oh, I always I've hate got this it. Uh, Millicent uh, Simmons. Simmons yeah um, uh, Reagan is her character yeah uh, was 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 perturbed and angry at Lee uh, John Krasinski for a few different reasons namely because she he wouldn't take her out a couple like he wouldn't he he was sort of like being overly protective of her but also like. Trying uh, to build a better uh, hearing device, like, but uh, in secret. Well, th- you know, they were involved in a tragedy. Uh, again, we're just talking about the first movie. Uh, we'll get to the second in, movie. They were involved in a tragedy that I think um, they both took responsibility for. And so, uh, you know, uh, Reagan, as the daughter, felt guilt and I think insecurity about uh, about what had happened and didn't really have affirmation from her father that it wasn't her fault because her father also had guilt about the incident and uh, spent all of his time kind of being squirreled away trying to cope in his own ways, which was work on things for his daughter. They were very bonded and their relationship was the really big important part of the uh-huh. last movie. Uh, and so that communication was the the big trope that tied everything together. They could communicate so clearly despite a hurdle, yet they weren't actually speaking to each other about the things that mattered until they actually did and then it was too late. And like there's a there's a beautiful synergy to that entire thing in the first one. They they kind of they they I will say Krasinski Krasinski Kron Jasinski uh did, did I think try to follow through with the communication theme? Like uh there's a lot of scenes with Killian Murphy uh, and and Reagan uh, as a character, uh, Killian Murphy's character is Emmett. Hey, Emmett. Uh, and, and he is he does not know ASL. He repeatedly forgets that she's deaf. And there are a lot of scenes of her kind of you know using the most of her communication to get things through to him, reminding him that he has to enunciate, uh, working on making someone listen to her, teaching someone to listen to her. That was those but were I don't good know moments. If it didn't stick like it needed no, to in and the last. Those movie. were good moments of teaching of someone using their agency to teach other people. But there was no. I think my main again. I, I want. I didn't sort of get into my initial thoughts of this first movie. You even said it was very fun. I had a great time watching this movie. I feel like I want to get that out of the way. I enjoyed this film. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it was, um, despite my. Uh, excitement waning i'm glad it was my first movie back the only other film i would have rather taken that spot would be black widow which i will be seeing in the theater again or it will be not again for the first time because uh it's a marvel movie and rock and roll and you know my lifestyle um but you know this movie while very enjoyable it's hard not to compare it to the first one we've been doing it for 15 minutes like it's excellent. This this movie is excellent. It's shot beautifully. There's intricate stunt work. It's shot on 35 millimeter film. I think uh, John Krasinski has a really strong directorial um, sort of presence in this movie. But there's also in this one, as sequels can sometimes do, 
it loses its own thread of what's what made the first one so special. The first one was so special, not because, ooh, the monsters are based on sound. It's all of the stuff that we talked about before and connecting that central narrative through line through the emotional resonant parts of the character's own journeys. When it all ties together, that's when magic happens. That's why Fury Road works. That's why maybe like one in five Marvel movies works as well as they do. There's just things that when they all tie together, that's very strong. Can I make an argument about why maybe this one works right now? You weren't done talking. Keep going. <laughs> I'll just I'll just sort of wrap this one up. This one does not do that for me. Um, this one is a very well done monster horror movie. That continues the story greatly, but while we can go into depth about different characters' involvements with each other in the first movie and how it ties to the central themes, here, I had a hard time latching on to any characters' like deep-seated, not even caring, like you could tell the actors or the characters cared about one another as a family would, but like there was no problem for the family internally other than Lee was gone. And I will say this. There were weird moments, and I don't know if this is sort of... Are we going to talk about masculinity? Well, we will. Believe me, we will. (laughs) But there are weird moments of, because the director is the main character in the first one who heroically, spoiler alert for Quiet Place 1, uh, sacrificed themselves to save their family, here, the writer-director... I know, who plays that character... There was a lot of like meta textual like there was just like three too many references to how amazing Lee was. And I'm not saying that Lee as a character was not an amazing person or a great father or did uh, a great job being a hometown hero, police officer, fireman, some other thing that we don't actually know because he just talks to everyone like they work for him in the town when there's the thing at the beginning of the show. I think they were just really popular, hot farmers. Listen, that's I think that that was that was the thing. They were friendly, sexy farmers. They founded Stardew Valley and they just lived there all year round and and people just wanted to be around them. The um but like everything was the the only central conceit, the only central tie was everyone wanting to live up to Lee. And it wasn't like in a mournful way, it wasn't in a in a thing, it was just like it was this weird sort of like pedestaling the character, which is kind of fine, it's a little bit, it's a little bit pedantic, but it gets weird when it's the writer director. Like, and I know that's meta, and he probably didn't mean to do it. And John Krasinski seems like a very nice man. Yeah, okay, he does. He seems like such a nice man, but I also kind of feel like sometimes he seems like he's got a couple of bodies in his basement. Really, he is so polished. I, on, honest to God, I really do like John Krasinski, uh, but. He he there is he is so good at being a tall, smart white guy who is just gently self-deprecating. Like I watched a couple of interviews with him and he's always just like, oh, I made this silly, stupid decision. But wasn't it great? Oh, here's my wife. Oh, boy, am I a klutz? And I was like, you are putting on a bit too much of an act all the time. I mean, I can see that. I think as we see more of John Krasinski that starts feeling more and more true. Not that he's, uh, you know, he's not going army hammer. Let's be very clear. But like, I think... Not yet anymore. All right. Um, I think there is 
you know what sucks? And I, because we don't know the man, we don't know the you know anything like that. No, of course it's we are all, talking about a fictional person. We may as yeah, well be. Uh, it's all how he is presented to us. And look, all public facing people. Heck, myself as a Z list internet person, I have a different face on on extra credits and the events that we do than I am in real life. I you know I I I don't like change myself specifically or my opinions, but I change my tone i use different stuff i would even argue that i'm more self-deprecating in in extra credit stuff than i am in my normal life so like i get the idea of like having your shtick when you're talking about the thing you do so i get that but it's almost like because john krasinski is like like the the hot tall guy who was also Jim on the fucking office, yeah, but also Jack brand. Ryan. It's like, his brand. Like, like he has to be this person forever. Now. So so but and like look, he's done some stuff that I I mean it's a good move, but it's it's kind of weird. He did that thing while the pandemic was going on. He's uh so he did like some good news or something like that. That little <laughs> he, show. Did and, he did like two and then he sold it and then for he like sold it for like ten million dollars. And I was like, and I watch a lot of YouTube comment that like. A lot of that shtick was kind of directly taken from. It felt like he watched two or three popular, like, fun, newsy people on YouTube and was like, oh, I'm famous. I can do that. And maybe he did. And maybe he didn't even mean to do that. Like, but it's just a sort of, like, thing. So with all of that said, you tie that back to this script and it feels weird. Yeah. Um, and, and so that is sort of hanging over the entire thing. That's not by any means to say it's a thing that ruins the movie or anything like that. But I will say when I was searching and thinking back of like, what was the, what's the theme of this movie? The first theme of the movie the, of quiet place one is communication and, um, realizing that even if you can speak to the people that you love, you might not be saying the things you need to be saying. I would argue that's kind of the thing and sound monsters. This was just sound monsters. And yes, do they reference the hard of hearing or the, or the, or the, um, the, the, the communication, the communication is yes, they do. And there's moments of growth for characters. Cochlear implants. Yeah. I believe they're called, but my point is it didn't have a central through line other than, Hey, sound monsters still. Yeah. It had individual character arcs, but I think the big problem with the movie was that it didn't, it it was not wrapped up in a way that grew it as its own movie. Yeah. Um. Even like the ending, I was like, "Oh no, you're gonna end it right now, Arch." Oh, damn it! Yeah. Like we didn't learn more. It didn't progress us. It felt a little bit like, in some ways, it was almost an attempt to recreate the same ending as the last movie, and that was a mistake because characters did grow. There were individual themes of growth. I, you know, particularly in the last movie on our second watch was like, oh, okay, the son, um, Marcus, didn't really get the growth that other characters did. Sure. He, you know, he is, uh, he's much younger than everybody else. He's uh, a little bit compromised. He's very scared. Yeah. Um, and in this movie, you get more of his backstory in that he's not great at everything, uh, which I appreciate. We have so many protagonists in, I, I, I'll say, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say American culture that are just absolutely great at at least one thing. They're just too good at everything. They're a regular John Krasinski, one might say. <laughs> I appreciate when you see someone who's not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Marcus is a boy, a, a young boy, but he's scared and he's not coordinated 
and he gets his four foot stuck in a bear trap and he screams yep. bloody murder and like things go wrong and he just had like he 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 goes through an arc of being horrified being bad at things not stepping up to the plate literally and figuratively because of the baseball thing at the beginning uh and then when it becomes about him trying to protect his baby brother and sort of looking mortality in the eyes and pretty much deciding to sacrifice himself. Are we at a point where we can talk about spoilers? I mean, we definitely are. We've already done it. But when does he ever try? When does he sacrifice, go to sacrifice himself? He uh, when he accidentally locks himself in an airtight vault. That's not him sacrificing himself. That's him making a mistake that almost got him killed. Yes. But once he's in there, he ultimately puts the oxygen mask on the baby's face and tries to keep the baby alive. Then the next scene is him breathing and then giving it to the baby. Like, I, I don't see that as a sacrifice moment i see that as him trying to save him and his baby brother and fucking up uh okay anyway uh, the small details of what happened aside um he continues to grow in that scene in that he is just trying to make decisions that are going to keep them both alive i think he really like has a moment of grief in there of like real terror uh i thought that actor did a great job the kids and then are the, by the end of it the kids are the stars of this movie and they both did phenomenal yeah work. child acting uh is a step in its game up um by the end of it, you know, and it's a bit uh, it's a bit melodramatic of him holding the radio out and the pistol, you know, fending down the alien as it as it struggles to deal with the hearing thing. But uh, he finds his feet and he finds his calm and uh, and, it, you know, without his mom guiding him, which I think was kind of him. He was always looking for protection from his parents. And once he realizes that he can do it himself, he grows up. And that was a really nice, complete theme. Uh, I liked that growth of a character. I liked that arc. Thumbs up for me. That was the only character that really did any really amount of change, I feel like, in this film. Yeah, I mean... Uh, which is not to say that's bad. Um, I I disagree on the call that it was a sacrifice play. Um, I, in a small way, I saw it as sacrificial. It, only in that he had to make some big boy decisions in an airtight vault when he had a baby and a tank of oxygen. But he didn't sa- he didn't not take the oxygen himself. He could have left. I mean, the sacrifice. We're arguing a very small nuance I that I don't feel like. like. Okay. Hey, listen, I'm sorry. <laughs> you look so much like Shahir, darling, that I was just getting into the nitty gritty here. I'm so tall and handsome. Um, the, 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 on the flip side, um, the, the daughter's story with, uh, with, uh, Amit, uh, going through, going through. Killian Murphy and his big burdened doe eyes. I love Killian Murphy. <laughs> he's Let's, wonderful. He's he's the most burdened scarecrow man I've ever seen. He he will never play a protagonist that isn't morally compromised. You don't know what he's gonna do. You don't. Is he gonna make the right decision? Probably maybe. not. But maybe. Maybe at the end, but then he does a double-double cross, and then he's like back on the side of the devils. Like you have no idea. He is perpetually in a pickle. Yeah, I like he, it. He is he is the face of the moral gray area. Yes, uh, yes, and I love him. Uh, he does great in this. He sort of has to step up as uh, a, a new character that they know from their past. Um, He's very much his character from Twenty Eight Days Later. I think it's the An same older, guy. It's the it's a bit. Of, I wonder if when he read the script, he was like, "Got it." <laughs> like he has to. He he's very independent. He has um, sort of a selfish streak to him. Well, I won't say that he's extremely wounded when they find him. His family has died and he is trying to just keep himself alive. He has uh, become a recluse out of necessity. 
He has a sniper rifle and might use it. We're not sure. He also uh, keeps his dead wife upstairs, which they never really deal with. Yeah, they didn't tie that one off. Um, and he. But I guess you of... can't bury someone. Like, no, yeah. What are you going to do with your dead wife? Yeah, true. Put her in the fridge. What fridge? <laughs> that's oh. a little That's a little uh, misogyny joke for you. Um, the thanks. He, you're welcome. Uh, I don't feel good about it either. Anyway, yeah. yeah, he's kind of just emotionally trapped. He can't do any more than he thinks he can. And uh, Reagan, you know, uh, pushes him out of that bubble. And ultimately, he decides to help. Uh, yeah. I learned an important lesson when watching this movie, which is that uh, you cannot ever deny the power of a character hiding something in their mouth. <laughs> My God, what a powerful tool. Someone puts something in their mouth, takes something out of their mouth that saves a plot point. You're on board with them forever. It's it is it is desperate. It is so it, it's it's submissive in a way, but it's it's also like I, again I'll say. What are you describing exactly? He <laughs> Killian Murphy. <I> guess. <laughs> he uh, you know it, it's 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 putting something into your body. I understand that it has germs on it. You can't talk. You have to keep it like you have to keep your mouth shut around it. It's yep. very scary. Stop making it sexual. <laughs> I'm just talking about Killian Murphy's mouth. You're doing this. It's you. I'm talking about specifically the, you're, you're describing the act of either submission or giving or whatever when you're when you have to when you have to. You're getting uh, caught up on one word. You're getting caught up on one word. I, I don't think I am, but continue your thought. Anyway, I was a very powerful moment. Uh, Elise, uh, our dear friend Elise Brando was sitting next to me, and she like grabbed my arm and like shook me because it was just a powerful scene of someone who is extremely self protective doing something. Uh, that is the opposite of that. The scene we are discussing is um, after an attack. The Podunk uh, Marina. From the Podunk Marina boat people um, where they escape and he he puts the hearing assist device in his mouth to protect it. Um, side note, let's talk about the boat people. Kudos to this movie for not trying to make a meal out of the boat people even even the description on imdb and the line i said at the beginning of the thing which was in the trailer led this to believe that we were going to get into some real fucking walking dead shit in this movie with with societies of people that have like gone mad and like are evil and what i liked is when we experience the evil boat people again creepy little girl ties uh, him up with the noose then they all come out of their boats when they're trying to take a boat to the the radio station island um, the thing that I really appreciated was this movie decided that the boat people or the bad people that weren't worth saving are not the plot. They are an obstacle. They are a force of nature that our heroes have to overcome to continue the plot. They are not the point. Nothing I saw, and I don't think they were meant to be. This is not, a, this is a compliment to the film, not a detriment. They were never meant to be like, well, now you're going to go meet Buck, who's the head of the boat people. And like you learn about Buck, like it never went that direction because I don't think that's what's interesting. What's interesting is the daughter's journey and how they both continue that journey. And I like when a movie doesn't get caught up in its own shit and lets characters keep developing and moving their plots forward and doesn't try to contrive something bigger than it is. I agree with your point overall. I kind of disagree with it also on a couple smaller levels. Sure, go um, for it. 
One, even though you're right, uh, they were not a meal. They were uh, a snack. It was too much of a snack for me. Uh, the, you know, it, it was, it was, it was too much Walking Dead and not enough Cormac McCarthy's The Road, which Killian Murphy definitely auditioned for. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, the little girl with the X scar across her face, Yar. and yeah, the like. All of, you know, it just, it was too, it felt too prime time and too like, oh yeah, these are the evil boat people. Negan's going to walk out with yeah. Lucille. I, I, I didn't, I don't totally know what you mean there, but like. Uh, Walking Dead stuff. Okay. Uh, it, it, it was a little too much for me in, in what I think otherwise was a refreshing uh, apocalypse movie. Like something I really love is that there is a time there's a time a timestamp on anything and very presently in the first movie too there are elements of their lives that make you realize that it's just far enough of the world out of the world ending where yes things are very drastically different but there are still hints of their regular life mm -hmm. like uh emily blunt's costumes for example are her dresses which look like anthropology dresses like she she's clearly wearing stuff that she had in her older life also and perpetually clean oh she's a little no it's no a, it's a busy print uh, <laughs> uh but like she so something i like is like they go to the drugstore the same drugstore every time because that's the drugstore that they know and they're not this roving band scavenging sure. you know they're like okay you know what this 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 grocery store had the things that we had and it's the town that we know and we're going to go back to that one. I like the connectivity. What I didn't like is how the movie constantly, especially in the first third, kept winking at you about it. Like everything was like, hey, oh, they're, the they're, they're in the store. They're in the store. Hey, pan, pan, pan. There's the rocket ships. And you're like, OK, great movie. Even then it like it goes down. It's like, oh, she's walking down the stairs. Did you remember the nail? She did. Like, there's a lot of moments like that in this movie that's like, like just wanting you to be like hanging ever yeah, so lightly. Previously on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I that mean, I didn't appreciate. I didn't, I didn't mind it so much because they were very emotional callbacks to what had happened. And like the, the rocket ship visual, uh, that was pre, you know, they see that rocket ship in, in this movie before everything's gone down. No, it's I John understand. Krasinski like buying snacks for the game but and the rocket ship's already there. It's still a, there's, there's one yeah, too many totally winks wink. in the movie in the first, in the beginning of it, in my opinion. Um, let's, wait, so let's go back to the boat people. Um, yes, they were a snack. Uh, they were not a whole meal. They were a little too trussed up, I think. Uh, and, and took me out of it a little bit. They also maybe were an opportunity missed for that theme that we're missing. Like, I'm Killian sure Murphy I'm sure the third movie will deal with that. Probably. There was such a big, you know, Killian Murphy's whole thing is like, I'm being protective. I have bear traps and a sniper rifle and I, you know, can't let anyone in. And we really don't see anyone around him uh, until we see the boat people. And he walks right into that immediately. The first little girl. Mm -hmm. He's like, I better help you. Like, where is this hardened guy? There's there's moments where in this film, in my opinion, where characters forget who they are and they snap back. But like, you're absolutely right. Yes. Has Killian Murphy's character grown a little bit by now helping uh, 
uh, her the, to go. In the two days. Yeah. Yes. But like, that's a very specific thing about a family he knew that then he took a lot, like a bit of time to sort of get used to and finally begrudgingly agreed. And now he's going to go and run up to the first little girl that magically appears uh, Deus Ex Machina style uh on on the end of a dock out of and fucking she's nowhere a little blue dress and like, like come on the, I, the little girl trope is so tired. this is the man who's like i can't trust anyone um so that doesn't make sense and again they're like small movie contrivances hell um uh uh, uh i'm gonna butcher this name too uh jim uh, dimon uh hanzo um who who literally i <laughs> oh yeah should we start talking about race well no because we're two white people but the the, the thing i will say is listen a lot of these characters it's true they don't all have names um but uh most of the people with talking roles do uh but sadly he is just man on island um, he never gets a name? No, no, no. And it's funny because it's not like they use names a bunch. Like, I didn't know any of these characters' names even going into this, ep- other than Lee now, because they mentioned Lee like a hundred times. Um, like, I didn't know that um, I didn't know that Emily Blunt's character's name was Evelyn. I'm not sure that they were named in the first movie, actually. Well, my point is, th- it felt like a weird choice to have him show up on, when they eventually get off, the, they beat the boat people and they get on a boat and they go for two days to another island. Um, and then they find the community from Lost Season 4, and they it's like everyone's living sort of an idyllic life, and they're playing, um, I forget who sings the song, but somewhere beyond Frank the Sinatra. sea. Yeah, uh, which, again, has such loaded connotations and different, uh, like from Bioshock and a couple other things. But then, like, the guy's like, oh, you got our message. And I was like, this is the, co- oh, sure. Uh, and so... Um, I think you called it out right after we saw it. it. It's still, even though I think there are some nice, fresh, fresh takes on the end of the world. It's a lot of recycled video games, too. This movie is, and I'm not, again, I enjoyed, the, it's so funny, I have to keep prefacing this. I enjoyed this movie. You should see this movie. It's all recycled video game tropes, mostly from anything post-apocalyptic you've played in the last five years, specifically Last of Us and Last of Us 2. But a lot of that's really enjoyable. So, sure. you know, go have fun. And I mean, they're making an HBO series out of it anyway. Everything old is new again. I, I cannot blame people for finding inspiration places. Heck, I was we were watching the John Krasinski interview where he was talking about the car sequence in the beginning with Emily Blunt and that great stunt that they did and how that was inspired by Children of Men. And that makes total sense. He took a thing that he saw and loved and made a new thing that was his own. That I'm not I'm not criticizing taking. Um, I think that's what people do. That is what people yeah. do. Um, but I will say, I think, again. That is why this film does not feel like it has the staying power or is as innovative or is as important or as resonant as the first one. Because I saw something new in A Quiet Place, and it wasn't just sound monsters. It was characters tied in with themes and and important sort of like interpersonal relationships along with sound monsters. And... You could argue, actually, weirdly enough, that The Last of Us actually is that too. Joel and Ellie are the two main characters in The Last of Us, and there are the the monsters in that are sound based because when the clickers have the the fungus that turns them into zombies, grows out of their skulls, they lose their sight, and they they can only hunt by sound. So there's like there's elements of that too, and you have a sort of interesting dynamic between an adult and a child and whatever. You can pull the parallels as much as you want, but you, I had not seen that in a piece of cinema as well done as A Quiet Place. 
this doesn't do it as well as the first one. Does that mean? No, and we knew it wouldn't. You know, there was never going to be, because the, the rule of silence was no longer going to be a part of the sequel. But you it was could, going to be louder. You could make... It was going, it was going to be a regular noise place. Sure. <laughs> I like that. But you could still make a film that has different tones of emotional resonance throughout it based on what's happening. It doesn't have to be the sound gimmick. Like, it could play into it, and we could even have... I'm saying you could keep everything the same, but, like, tie it together differently through the narrative of what's happening to the characters. And you could still have the moments where um, Emmett's learning with he has to enunciate her face, uh, her when she's speaking, when he's speaking to her. Um, the, and again, it's a sequel to a horror movie. Conveniences will be made. Yes. I still posit that uh, near the end, and I should have seen this coming, but I guess this is a credit to how in the movie I was at the moment. I'd seen the trailer, but I didn't expect the, um, oh no, the, well, the dive, yeah, Jamie just made the dive uh, symbol, which is- <laughs> I was I, I like, ah, oh, there's Chekhov's gun. <laughs> yeah, that's just teeing stuff up, right? Um, that's Tiamat all over. Uh, but no, my, my, my thing was, I did see in the trailer that that town, the idyllic town from Lost season four, uh, the- does get attacked by a monster, the 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 island town, but I had forgotten. And then there's a yeah, moment. I assumed that I I saw there's a clip of that in the trailer, but I assumed it was uh, Killian Murphy's flashback of his. Day, I did too. Which I was kind of like savagely like just like num 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 waiting for as right. the movie was going on. You know, he was like, my whole family's died, and I was like, yeah, let's see it. Like, oh. I, no, it was no, but that's the brutal viewer is that you're like. You're wanting that drama and the horror that you showed up for. Yeah. So I, kudos actually for them not doing not that. Not doing that. Uh, so my point being, though, is the 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 convenience that bothered me the most was there's a boat they try to confiscate before the boat. Bad pirate little girl wranglers. I don't know what the heck they are. Uh, try to fight them and they get away. Uh that you then see Killian Murphy hears something like rush pushing up against uh, the edge of a cliff on a beach and you look over and it's the same boat that they saw the last monster on. And it's unclear how far this Island is away. Uh, I thought they said two days on the boat is what it took them to get, but I don't even know. My I was distracted by cell phone man at this point. It, it must've been on the Hudson, but here's my thing. The monster just conveniently gets to the same island that they do. I get it. It's a movie. No, this does. I, you can talk very, me through it. Okay. So they, it sounds like also drifted to this island. They had oars. Okay. They, they, they positioned themselves. They had a map and a place they were going. Okay. 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 All right. This monster randomly floated on a boat there, and mean, hit the same spot they did. There is current and there is sort of specific patterns in which waterways move. So I don't think it's unbelievable that the boat would get there. No. And know. especially in horror movie logic. Yeah. But my point is this. And the, like, the, yeah, the, it's on the beach that Killian Murphy goes to mourn at. Yes, that's plot device. Yeah. But whatever. But my I, point. I is, liked that. I thought that was smart because the monster can't get in the water. Obviously, it's going to stay on the boat like a little cat on a paddleboard. Meow. But I, I liked it. I thought that was clever. I think, again, it goes back to, and again, in, in, in a horror movie, I don't mind those things. But because the first one was so skillful and didn't resort to those common tropes, which, again, yes. are fine in horror movies. It didn't need them. When it got to this point, I was like, oh, yeah, the monster's on the boat. 
okay, we're here. Now it's going to run through the town, and they're going to run to the station, and then they're going to kill the the friend guy who doesn't get a name, which, you know, it's hard not to look at in which, today's day and age as, like, what the hell. Yeah. And then, and then it's just hide-and-seek in the radio tower. Even, and, even though I'm... Uh, happy with how the monster got to the island via via a drift boat um i will say that's when the movie i i think i was a little irritated with my protagonist at that point because they had brought the violence to this community no they didn't they did by accident oh, by accident I guess. but they're the reason he's there and it's not like they didn't try to fix it but then, yes, we have this host character uh, die immediately. Uh, and After cr- screaming for his family. Yeah, immediately being like, I've got to go help my family. He gets everybody, he gets all, he gets the monster away from the community and then is immediately dragged out of a garage screaming. It's really kind of, uh, it's a bit of the Jurassic Park person. Well, it's not that far, but. I would even go this far. I, I, originally, I was like, oh, what if they recast, uh, Hanzo and Murphy, right? What if well, they switched it? So but actually, I would... that he was recast um, because uh, uh, he was supposed to be played by um, Brian Tyree Henry, uh, and it was a scheduling con- conflict changeout. Oh, interesting. So maybe that's why the character has less to do because they didn't know what they were doing first. So they did some rewrites before they recast. It's possible. But here's my thing. Here, this is my one change where I, I think it might make this movie a little bit stronger and have more resonance throughout. What if Killian Murphy's character? got dragged out of the of the door and died and now it's it's you know man on island and uh reagan d- doing the thing at the end because you could make an emotionally resonant close for Killian Murphy's character for Emmett. Yeah, and then you, swap out. And you could make out. a very interesting sort of pull and also might make you more interested in what's going to happen in the third film. Because I gotta be I gotta be frank here. I do not give a shit what happens in the third movie. Because we didn't learn anything. We learned nothing in this movie. We the only thing we learned is that the space beasts, they're not aliens, they're space beasts, cannot swim. <laughs> that is the one piece of information we got. And they fell from the sky. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I don't even need to learn anything. Oh, and they're fireproof. But I want to learn about characters in this world. Again, I am interested in the, the human relationships in this universe. The sound monsters are neat and they are a good uh, 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 natural element of danger. They are a storm. They are a thing that you understand the rules of and you better not break or you're fucking dead. I don't want to learn about the aliens. I don't want to learn where they come from. I don't want to learn if they have a hive mind. I don't give a shit. They are a force of nature that our characters have to maneuver around. Could we see this as a metaphor for the pandemic at this stage? I mean, you could. Hard yes. My point is I don't like... So if I don't care about this personally, where do they go from here? If they're not telling interesting stories now in part two that really tie things together again with the with the with the um, exception of possibly the son, uh, though, even though he does make a change and there is there are nice emotional moments, it still is like buck up and be a man. Yeah. And he's not Well, to be clear in the last movie. He's not useless. Like no, a lot not, of yeah. the a lot of the like, hey, uh, remember your empathy dialogue comes from him. He does a lot of like the middle work between father and daughter in the last movie. Yeah. 
he just he's fearful and because of that uh yes in an apocalypse situation kind of useless and you actually brought up something that actually changed my mind very much on it it was the lack of the mother it was the lack of emily blunt that he always reached out to her and was kind of subservient to her and trying to like trying to like not even subservient just like wanted her for guidance all of a sudden she is not there what does he do and does it overly play a little bit and do the the becoming a man tropes baseball whatever everything's fine tropes sort of are they heavy-handed yes but there's an actual character growth in in a way that is relatable but as opposed to the first movie where all the characters seem to have ties and 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 emotional through lines this one only one out of the four did um and i think they could have they could have gone more in that direction and i i'll just this is my sort of final thought here because i they didn't go that direction the direction that i really liked of the first one and they opted instead to make a very very good looking uh anxious and fearful horror movie i'm not interested in this world anymore that's not a bad thing i i i'm i'm i i got what i needed out of it and i don't think they're going to show me something new again well and it's that i i i i'm gonna do it i'm gonna blame krasinski don't do it he's a national treasure oh no he's not he's got great hair and that's it what i'm just kidding that's not true talented say apologize to john sorry john krasinski yeah anyway you fucked up uh (laughs) whoa you presented this idea that these creatures cannot swim. They are not designed for water, which makes a lot of sense, everybody. I just took a scuba diving course, and sound doesn't carry the same way in water. You can't tell us where it's coming from. They also got really thin limbs and thick bodies. Yeah, they suck. They're like weird giraffes that are blind and have regular necks, but also weird ears. Anyway, uh, what's the UK doing? Did these things land everywhere? I have a lot of questions about the world that I would think the other characters would have, and... They didn't really seem to, and granted, they couldn't get those answers immediately, but the film didn't hint, oh, hey, do you wonder what everyone else is doing? Do you wonder what's happening elsewhere? I just don't care. I think that's the thing. Like, like. I want to care. I want to care. Sure. I just, uh, that's not what pulled me into this series to begin with. What pulled me in is the incredible tie of what they did manage to put together based on all of the elements of the film and the narrative. I don't care about the sound beasts. I don't care about what's happening around the place. I cared about the family. Uh, and and the family can have characters come in and come out, you know, except, you know, whatever. But like, I don't think I'm going, I don't think in the third one, if I'm like, oh, well, the UK found out that they're actually from Venus and their vulnerabilities are uh, um, uh, hydrogen peroxide and uh, merengue music. Like, I, I don't think it I don't think it's going to make it any better or more interesting because, again, they're space beasts like. It's it, this is not it's this is people. not this. Is, this has always been about the people. The yes. space beasts are not going to be more complicated. They're a force of and nature. It would be a flaw if the space beasts became more complicated. Yeah, I don't want starship troopers here. I don't want uh, I do not want um uh, you know, uh, what's his name? I, I'm uh, I'm uh, Neil Patrick Harris coming out and teaching me about about the 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 ways that these beasts communicate with one another. Like I don't care. 
Uh, I would not like to learn more is yeah. what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but but all of that is to say, Jamie, I think we can both agree. This was a very good time to watch. I, so much fun. I feel like it's. I would watch it again. Me, same. I feel. And, and that's what I want to leave you with. We've done a lot of criticisms about this, but it's all small stuff. Will it emotionally gut punch you the same way the first one did? No. Does it matter? No. And I say that on an uptick because the only reason I feel like it may matter is the fact they set up for a trilogy. Well, I would say that uh, there are problems with this movie, even though it was a lot of fun and even though it followed something that was extraordinarily successful and I'll say pretty well written. It's uh, an amazing film. Quiet Place One is an amazing film. The test now is to see if John Krasinski can learn. Is he going to fix what everyone has said, what the issues with are this with this film, and make something better to tie it off? Or is he going to fall to studio pressure and just get something done so that he can buy like eight houses or whatever people do with a lot of money? Uh, or is he going to step away from it and come back later? W what's going to happen? What is John Krasinski going to do? And only time will tell. He's going to be he's going to smile, though. He's going to smile a lot. He's going to smile and he's going to be just a little bit self-deprecating. I, I don't know. I think he's he, he's doing such a good job. I can't help but love him. I don't trust him. If I if he tried, if I was like stranded on the highway and John Krasinski drove up and asked if I needed a ride, I don't think I'd get in the car. I trust him because he's married to Emily Blunt. Oh, that's true. She's great. Yeah, that's what it is. All right. Anyway, everybody, this has been the only podcast about the film A Quiet Place Part Two. Jamie. Thank you so much, my love, for hanging out and talking with me for this movie. It was an absolute pleasure to have this very casual conversation that we normally kind of have off air, on air. We're usually just lying on the couch talking about whatever thing we just watched. Yes. So, yes. We're just like a but we're, we're a pair of relaxed seals usually. So now we just have headsets. Now we're relaxed seals with headsets that have somehow managed to use our flippers to hold microphones. Um, when you are not begging for a variety of fish snacks. Mostly just mackerel. Where can folks find you? Mostly just Matt Kroll, am I right? Um, where can folks find you, darling? Wow. <laughs> I need a second. That was amazing. Good job. Uh, I, geez, where can you find me? I am on Instagram at jimjam underscore Walsh, and I am at Twitter at the same. Uh, that's about it. Do you want my phone number or anything? No, but now you have to ask me a fun thing about the movie about oh, where oh, folks yeah, can good find point, good me. Point. I'm sorry. I'm not used to co-hosting. No, Usually okay. you just give me snacks and let me hang out in the room. Understood. Uh, Matthew, when you are not getting... Uh, your one good foot ripped apart by an alien so that your your the the follow-up movie leaves you in questionable uh running conditions. Where can folks find you? You can find me you can find me getting my shoes resized for my newly deformed feet over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and PSN. Also Ember M-S-K on Twitter. Please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. I believe by the time this airs, I was pitching it last time and I'm going to pitch it again. We did a phenomenal episode uh, of Extra Credits where we talk about 
uh, six core tenets of designing tools for your users to design elements for games. Uh, partnering with Nate Taylor, the creative uh, the creative director over at Dwarven Forge, which is a fantastic modular terrain company that I am absolutely in love with, and I have spent way too much money on. Don't tell my girlfriend. Um, and. <laughs> <laughs> as she eyes the cabinet right behind me um also we will be oh there's an episode coming out uh of extra history on stephanie saint Clair that will make you rethink your uh preconceived notions of what an american gangster can be uh and then after that we got uh in a couple weeks the the the, the big heavy hitter we got vlad the motherfucking impaler five-parter uh, written by Robert Rath, illustrated by Ali Throm. Um, it is a delight. I, I cannot wait for people to see. I will say I was working in another room while Matt was doing partial records on it. It's grim. Yeah, it's Vlad it's, the fucking Impaler. It's it's a bummer. I mean, it's interesting. But man, Vlad did some impaling. Buckle the heck I would say up. A, even a little more than impaling. Yeah, there's some... I mean, who doesn't want to nail hats to people's heads? Anyway, uh, that's all for this week. Next week, Shahir might be back. Maybe he'll still be uh, running from the law in Cabo for his illicit directorial uh, uh, shenanigans. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, but again, thank you, Jamie. Thank you thank you so much for, for doing this with me. This was... <laughs> absolute blast i think we've been talking for four hours we have it's been four hours normally we just sit in silence silence but now puritanical new england silence. that's right hands on knees we must have nothing in mouths beasts. i mean that, we're not that intimate it's just it's you know uh you, you're not you're not carrying the silence is for survival you're not carrying zoe's cat toys uh through through uh troubled boat people waters zoe would be screwed yeah of course world. she would but we love her. She was keeping the cables warm, but I, now she's gone. Repeatedly, I tried not to think about the pets. Don't think about the movie. pets. Don't think about Hey, the pets. everybody, don't think about the pets. Think about us until next week when we talk at you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, email us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of A Quiet Place Part 2. And uh, we will talk at you next week. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.